0: Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. This podcast episode is a long time coming. I've previously talked about my first two birth experiences and how the first was traumatic. I will be sure to link to that podcast episode in the show notes if you are interested in hearing my birth stories. It's hard for me to talk about birth trauma and not share pieces of my own story, so I will be sharing pieces of that today but today's episode isn't just about my story, it's about your story too. We are diving deep into the topic of birth trauma and I invited my colleague and friend Dr. Alexandra Shrake onto the podcast to have this conversation with me. Dr. Alex is a licensed therapist and she is a therapist practicing in our group practice that we have here in California. She has experienced a traumatic birth herself, and following that experience, and after healing from that experience through doing her own work, she went on to do research to really begin to better understand this experience and to bring education to others who have also navigated an intense or traumatic birth themselves. So, in this episode, we are exploring all the different ways in which birth can be intense or traumatic. We explore some of the symptoms and the impact of birth trauma on the birth parent as well as the non-birthing parent. We explore some ways in which one can begin to heal and process their birth experience and some protective steps you can take to prepare for birth. I'm so glad you're tuning in to today's episode and I can't wait for you to meet Dr. Alex and her gentle, compassionate approach and all the wisdom that she has to offer As well as pieces and parts of herself. All right, you ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human, and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care, and you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey there, Dr. Alex. I'm so excited to get a chance to have you on the podcast today. This is extra special. For the listener, Dr. Alex is a therapist in my group practice, and she is the one to talk to about birth trauma based off of her clinical, personal, and research experience. So I'm so thrilled that you are coming on the podcast today for the first time. Dr. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me and to
1: come on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So before we dive in, I'd love to give the listener a chance to get to know you um, and connect with you in this way. And so maybe you could share just a little bit about yourself, your family, your passions, what lights you up, and why birth trauma in particular is something that you you wanted to talk about today.
1: Well, um, I'm a counselor, and I've been a counselor for... Um, going on a little over 10 years now, and also a mother of two and a wife, and I am really passionate about working with parents, um, passionate about working with kids and families, and really passionate generally about... Um, Supporting people who have lived through traumatic experiences, you know, my passion about birth trauma really started with the birth of my oldest. So I had an experience of trauma within that birth and, you know, I had been a counselor for several years before and during that time worked with a lot of individuals and families who had experienced trauma. And even with that knowledge and that experience, I was really surprised um, and really kind of confused and disoriented by having trauma within my birth. It wasn't something that was even on my radar. And then after, it wasn't something that was talked about very much. And yeah. I really like go to the research anytime that I'm like, Confused, you know. Um, And so that's right where I went and found that there wasn't even a lot of research about the ways that trauma can show up in birth. There was some, but it just wasn't kind of like the rich sort of guide that I was hoping for. So I was in my doctoral program, and so I really used that as an opportunity to do my dissertation on birth trauma and really delve into some research and some new research on kind of how trauma can show up in our birth experiences. And since then, I've been really passionate about continuing to open up that dialogue and uh, supporting birth parents in their experiences with trauma in the context of their birth.
0: I know from working with you how, um how beautiful the the connection you made between your own pain, your own experiences, and how through healing you were able to then take the step to make meaning out of your experience. It became the muse for so much of the work, the research that you did and now the work that you do today, and it just translates um, so authentically in the work that you do in connecting with your clients and how – you've, you've walked through it, right? Like you were, you've been on the other side where you had, you went through EMDR yourself. You went through talk therapy yourself to process your birth experience. And you really turned that into just how, how, how connected you are with your clients when you're offering that support to them on the other side. And so I think it's, it's so cool to hear those stories of how pain can be a muse for the meaningful work Mm -hmm. that we do moving forward and how that just the, the variety of ways that we make meaning of our experiences. And so I'd love to dive deeper into understanding birth trauma for the listener. And I'd love to hear from you, how common is this and what are some, what are the different ways in which the birth experience can be traumatic for someone?
1: So, you know, when I sat down to do my dissertation, um, there's this initial part where you just spend, um, I mean, as you know, just a ton of time sorting through the research,
0: right? Um, I, there's a part of me, it's like, I think it was actually a little traumatic. Like, <laughs> the whole process. And so there's a part of me, it's like, yes, I do remember Dr. Alex, but I'm also like, do I want to remember? But yes, the dissertation process is very long and very thorough and you you spent a lot of time getting to know getting to know your topic mine was on um postpartum depression for dads and so it um yeah yeah but let's let's please i i do remember it you spent a lot of time doing some background research
1: yes we'll just touch there and then quickly um move forward but uh yes. <laughs> During that research, I was so surprised because I started looking at some of the statistics and you know, found that you know, there's a range that close to a third of birthing parents will report that their birth is traumatic, and that is just such a large number, right? It's
0: wild, and it's something that, like, I'm so glad you're naming here because I can imagine the listener you know, being like, well, I don't know if I fall under this category of like birth trauma for whatever reason that, you know, they might feel that way. But to hear that one third of birthing people share that the experience for them was intense and traumatic, I think that that can really normalize and we can feel less alone, right, in the mm-hmm. experience. And if you feel less alone, maybe we're More courageous to take a step to get support.
1: Um, So, yeah, one third, that's wild. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. It is so important to name how common it is. And, you know, it's also interesting to note like, as millennial parents, we are much more at risk for experiencing trauma and obstetric emergencies than even our parents were. And so I think it's just an increasingly important dialogue to um, to continue to open up.
0: Yeah. So one third, okay. And then what what are some what are some ways in which birth itself can be uh, traumatic or intense? Um, you know, in general. And then yeah, you mentioned millennial parents. Like, what what are some of the like added layers for us as millennial parents?
1: Absolutely. So I think we can think about it in four main kind of interconnected ways, right? There can be the physical components of um, our birth that can be traumatic. There can be interpersonal, sort of relational, psychological, and even cultural pieces that can really stick with us as really difficult pieces of that birth.
0: Yeah. yeah, could you provide some examples of those? Cuz I'm just thinking reflecting back on my own birth experience and I can definitely identify how each of those played a part and act- and were interconnected in what made the birth experience itself really intense and traumatic for me. But I'd love to hear some of your examples of these of these categories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the physical components are probably what most frequently come to mind when we start to talk about it. It's those obstetric complications or emergencies that happen for our infant or for ourselves as the birthing parent. Um, it can be, you know, a NICU admission or an early delivery or a hemorrhage or an emergency C-section there's so many different kind of physical ways that can show up that cannot go to plan and can be really scary and frightening for us. And so the psychological piece often pops up around those as well, right? Like this certainly fear that we or infant is going to die or feeling so helpless in those moments or overwhelmed or just really lacking control about what's going on or how to move through it. Yeah.
0: I know that um, self-blame can be something that you and I have talked about before as well, and I relate to personally in my own experience. There was definitely anxiety and fear, um, but there was also this belief that I was broken, that I was Mm -hmm. damaged, there was something wrong with me that I – in this first job as a mother you know wasn't able to have a quote unquote natural birth or have a vaginal birth and there was there were those pieces of self blame there's also confusion so i know that you and i have talked about that as well and how Sometimes confusion can be something that we don't talk about enough. The experience of just being confused, like what's happening, I don't understand. And that can definitely be connected to feeling helpless or mm-hmm. powerless. And then there's in, in those two that uh, – an overlap with the relational. I know for myself, I had a lot of anxiety And so I had a very rigid birth plan and idea Mm -hmm. around what I wanted my birth to look like. That was just my way, when I reflect back on it, my way of really trying to have some control over Mm -hmm. an experience where there's so many things I didn't have control around. And so I hired a doula who aligned with some of my rigid views. Mm -hmm. And when I ended up having an unexpected belly birth, my doula left, and I still remember the look on her face when I, like, finally – I was confused, again, what my options were at that point because people weren't speaking up. Um, mm-hmm. And then I finally said, I, I, I think I need to have a, a C-section. And I remember the look on her face and feeling like I let her down, too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's the relational can definitely play in, right? Like there's these these categories, but there's definitely a way in which they can relate to each other. Um, And so I'd love to hear more from you about the relational piece, too, because that had a big part in, in my birth experience.
1: Yeah, it's so powerful, like those moments of looking on another person's face and feeling Shame or feeling judgment in those really vulnerable moments, and you know, birth, especially our first birth where we don't know what to expect and it can be very anxiety provoking, can feel so vulnerable. And then going into a place where we're maybe relying on some of the people in the room to support us or to have certain knowledge or experience to guide us through that and when we feel instead unheard or ignored or that there's a lack of empathy in those interactions or we aren't able to give consent we feel like our bodily autonomy was challenged those can be Mm -hmm. incredibly harmful experiences and certainly You know, experiences of discrimination or racism that maybe show up in that experience. Certainly being separated from our infant um, or separated from our partner, right? Someone that we're relying on for support, and then we get separated from them. Mm -hmm. Like all of these pieces can connect with the other parts of our birth to really compound harmful that experience can be for us. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: you also mentioned culture. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on some of the like cultural components or societal components that can play into what makes a birth
1: traumatic. Absolutely. Sometimes there's these cultural dialogues that There's only maybe one quote-unquote right way to give birth, or there's a pressure for birth to look a particular way. Certainly, there's often this expectation that birth is wonderful and joyful, and that can be part of our story, or it might not be part of our story at all. But when birth is also or exclusively really traumatic, then it's hard to hold of those pieces and sometimes well-meaning people in our life maybe compound those expectations of what birth is supposed to be like and that can be really hard to hold and contribute to us feeling isolated or shame or feeling at fault in some way that the birth isn't what we expected it to be
0: Hey there, a quick message from Dr. Cassidy for the listener. If you are resonating with this episode, I hope, I really hope that you will take a step today to get support. I waited far too long. I really truly believe that my postpartum experience would have been a lot different if I had taken steps to process my intense birth experience so much sooner. If you are based in the state of California, you can reach out to our private practice to connect with myself or with Dr. Alex. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more. If you are not based in California, but you're ready to take that step to get support, Postpartum Support International is a wonderful resource with a directory where you can search by your estate or country and location. All right, let's get back to the episode. So as we're talking here, I'm thinking about, you know, when I kind of bring in the the piece of uh, my own research around um, fathers and the postpartum Mm -hmm. experience for them, I'm thinking about the non-birthing partner in the room Mm -hmm. and, you know, the impact that this can have on them. And I... I would love to uh, explore more with you. Like, what's the impact for the non birthing partner? Can a non birthing partner also experience trauma through the birth experience from their own perspective and their own part?
1: Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, and I think often there isn't space or it's hard to hold space for that non birthing parent. But witnessing, you know your partner or your infant be in distress or feeling really helpless and overwhelmed and that confusion can certainly show up you know for the non-birthing partner as well can really be traumatic and can um, make the healing process even more complicated in terms of navigating that dynamic and
0: Yeah, I think it's yeah. so important to name because I imagine the listener. I think, I think I know I know that there's some non-birthing parents that that tune into the podcast, but I think for the most part, it's a lot of the 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 birthing parent um, or moms, and so I'm thinking about that listener, and I, I want to give him a chance to reflect on. Oh my gosh, this was this experience was really intense for me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. I I can imagine maybe that it was intense for my partner, but maybe they don't talk about it, or maybe people don't ask them about the birth experience for themselves, or gosh, like they've been pretty withdrawn or irritable. And could those be signs of like their own, like they, they, they experience something really intense and traumatic as well, but they're processing it in in this way or it's showing up in these symptoms. So, yeah, I just think as, as a marriage and family therapist, I'm always taking into consideration not just the individual, but all the relationships around them and the whole system. And so I think it's important mm-hmm. for us to to name that, right? Mm-hmm. Because, gosh, maybe maybe there is something going on there. And the impact that it can have on the system when one parent or both parents experienced a really intense or traumatic birth and they're in the process of you know, now. Now, caring for a newborn, right? Um, <laughs> in postpartum, and we just kind of move move forward, right? And unfortunately, if we don't if we don't go back and process the experience or heal, there can be um, an impact on our on our own mental health, on our relationships, on our attachments. And so on future births or future experiences, I know for me, actually, it was when I experienced a pregnancy loss mm-hmm. after my traumatic birth. It was, it was at that point that I actually went and did EMDR because of the pregnancy loss. And then it was the, the traumatic first birth that really came forward for me in mm-hmm. that processing. And so, you know, I think it's, it's so important to... Um, to pause and to ask ourselves okay what did i just go through and what what there might need to be healed for both myself and and maybe my partner and so i'd love to hear from you in this like what are what are some signs and symptoms or impacts that having a traumatic birth can have on an individual or have on the family
1: yeah i'm so glad that you kind of called that to light cuz we are often both in postpartum but also after a trauma we can go into survival mode and so it's hard to notice you know necessarily what's going on in kind of the system around us and what's happening for us internally we get in that mode of taking care of our infant or kind of going yeah. through the day-to-day pieces absolutely impacts of birth trauma are wide and pretty diverse For ourselves or or the birth parent, certainly it can look similar to other forms of trauma or trauma arising out of other events. So we often, you know, might want to cue in for us and for our partner if, you know, symptoms of kind of hyper arousal are coming up. So that might look like really being on edge, looking for danger feeling irritable, anger can come up here, you know, feeling jumpy or having trouble sleeping can be big symptoms or big signs that there might be something going on for us there. Likewise, you know, we can see kind of pieces of avoidance. So that can look like trying to avoid things that might remind us of birth or pregnancy, not remembering pieces of our birth or pieces of Mm -hmm. the trauma as well. Mm -hmm. And then on sort of the other end of the spectrum, we see we might want to notice if uh, we feel like we're reliving that traumatic experience again or we're having nightmares or it feels like kind of our emotion and our physical experiences getting kind of taken back to that place of trauma.
0: I know that for after my, my postpartum experience, I really went into like survival mode and there, there were elements of, of all of those things, which can be, if we are looking at like a diagnosis, could be symptoms of PTSD, mm-hmm. um, could fall under that umbrella. And, and there were also relational components for me, Mm -hmm. like attachment. Like it, it was, I found that it, it was, it was really impacting my bonding with my child. Mm -hmm. And also that kind of fed into my identity, like feeling like I was really struggling with the transition of this new identity as a mom, because it felt like I failed this first task as a mom. Mm -hmm. And when my child, when my daughter was born via belly birth, I was so out of it. I, um, because of the medications and because of just how long the labor had been and how exhausted I was. And also just the impact of shame, the intense shame I was feeling in that Mm -hmm. moment that when she was born, I couldn't even look at her. I couldn't open my eyes. And that Image really lingered and stuck with me, and made it hard to feel connected to her. Even once we got home from the hospital, and so there can be those lingering effects too in terms of um, relationships, and or you can find yourself feeling ashamed of things that happen during birth, and finding that it impacts you and your partner,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: um, or you and your provider, and. Yeah, so there can be those relational impacts too. Um,
1: Absolutely can show up as um, within our relationship with our infant or, you know, sometimes our infant might remind us of the trauma itself and then we're wrestling with that in the midst of all the difficulties and, you know, joyful pieces of postpartum on top of that it can be so difficult. So
0: what are some ways in which people can begin to heal and process? I know that this is a big part of your work. You did EMDR and then in this beautiful this you know beautiful and layered story, you got trained in EMDR yourself, and I know that that's something that you are able to offer as a really powerful tool um, and approach in your work with your clients. So what does, what does processing and healing a traumatic birth, what can that look like?
1: Yeah. so I'd say there's so many different kind of roads on that journey, right, and none of them are wrong. Um, and all of us deserve support in navigating that really tricky domain. I'd say it comes down often to kind of two pieces, you know, finding support, a supportive community or a safe person um, and also often kind of sharing or processing that birth story or that experience for us and that can come about in lots of different ways um, certainly I'm a proponent of therapy <laughs> and, um, and really a proponent of like trauma-informed treatment and clinicians having kind of a solid background in that work mm-hmm. um, but when we talk about that kind of largely we think of like three main components of that um, healing piece and I'm, I'm borrowing this from, um, from Judith Herman's kind of larger discussion of trauma mm-hmm. but you know we can expect that there's going to be a phase of reestablishing like regulation and safety you know trauma by nature kind of is overwhelming right and it activates these survival responses and often those survival responses continue to be activated afterwards mm-hmm. yep and that can be really frightening it can feel foreign in our body it can feel unexpected and out of control and so part of that initial work is really um kind of grounding and re-establishing that we're safe and that we have ways of regulating those sort of bodily activations that come mm-hmm.
0: up yeah so building those like regulations tools so that you can feel again um, safe and grounded and regulated and, and, and reconnecting with your body too in those ways. Cause a lot, I know for a lot of folks after um, a traumatic birth um, and same thing can go sometimes for pregnancy loss. It did for me is you can feel very disconnected from your body, like disembodied. And so mm-hmm. I'm hearing that in this first stage, you're doing a lot of work of, of, of reconnecting with your, with your body with tools to feel grounded to feel safe to be able to to regulate Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely and then we have the opportunity from there to start to process or talk about the birth story and you know i say that with the knowledge of if you talk to me about processing my birth trauma in the moments that it was really visceral and real for me, this would feel so distant in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, one of the pieces that I really like about EMDR, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the opportunity to talk about our story, but there's also Mm -hmm. the opportunity to process in other ways that are not verbal if it's hard to really connect with the narrative of that experience. It's one of the things that I think is so
0: powerful and beautiful about EMDR is that so much of the healing and the work happens within the individual. And obviously the, the therapist who's trained in EMDR is is the guide and supporting along the process. But so much of it is, is happening within ourselves, the insights, the connections, the healing. Um, because it's really activating our body and our brain's like natural healing mechanisms and and turning those on in a in a space that is also supported and guided, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's it's a beautiful process. I have um, I'll link in this episode. I have a another podcast that I was on where. Um, the Mommy's Tell All podcast where I was asked to describe EMDR um, and my own experience with traumatic birth and how EMDR supported the process and the steps of EMDR, um, as well as a uh, article for um, Scary Mommy where I was interviewed when, when actually when Prince Harry came out and said that he did EMDR to process um, his own trauma. And so then EMDR was like, oh, what's this? Princess, Prince Harry did it. Maybe we should too. And um, so I was interviewed for them and I talk about um, EMDR and birth trauma there too. So I'll link those in the show notes for folks who want to learn more about EMDR. Um and then sometimes in that process too, what we can find is that there are there's old stuff, right? there's past stuff that we may need to go and and process and heal and 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 work through. Um, and the EMDR is really set up to help us identify when there are blocks or um, like blocking beliefs or 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 memories and experiences that kind of keep us stuck or looping around something, mm-hmm. and so EMDR is really structured in a way for us to identify what those things are, and to then it's our our role and your role as a, as a therapist to to know when to take folks there and mm-hmm. and where to kind of start um, or where to go back to when we need to um, when it comes to to processing.
1: Absolutely. And- that's a beautiful way of putting it and I'm such a proponent of EMDR both having seen how effective it can be for clients but also in terms of my own experience how healing it was being able to sort of tell that story and touch on the images that were really Mm -hmm. stuck with me or um, you know the beliefs like you mentioned that had come Mm -hmm. up my mind's way of trying to make sense of that trauma and connecting in with our body
0: because there's a, there's so, so many yeah. beautiful ways in which EMDR yeah. has us connect in with the, the ways in which our body holds on to trauma too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, like, knowing that as a therapist, right, like, reading, like, the body keeps score and knowing that trauma really gets rooted in these sort of bodily memories, but then going through EMDR and you know, I had like these really sort of visceral um, feelings of, you know, being lightheaded or nauseous and just being completely seeing how those are so connected to my experience during trauma and being able to have the support around that and move through that is so healing to be able to kind of reconnect with your body in that way. Oh my gosh, absolutely.
0: Okay, so EMDR, um, being able to share your birth story in a safe space and therapy can be a beautiful place for that to happen, whether that's through tradi- traditional talk therapy or through EMDR. We're describing here how EMDR can can be so powerful because it's, yes, an element of it is is going back and, and, and sharing the story, but so much of that can happen within ourselves where it doesn't necessarily have to be something that we are... You know, going into detail in describing and talking about, um, but it, the heat, so much healing can happen within ourselves through the process, and so maybe the listener here is hasn't hasn't gone through birth yet, and they are scared about birth and experiencing a traumatic birth, or maybe somebody here has experienced birth trauma or birth and the intensity of birth and they want to have another child and so i'd love to hear you know your thoughts here about what are some things that we can do to prepare for birth right like there's so much that's going to be out of our control and that we we can't that we we don't know exactly what it's going to look like but what are some ways that we can prepare ourselves our hearts our minds, our relationships, um, put in place protective factors for ourselves to, you know, regardless of how it ends up going with the things that we can't mm-hmm. necessarily control, that we are at least putting in place some protective factors. What, what would be some of those that you might consider?
1: Yeah, I'd say if I had a wish list um, for parents who are pregnant I would really want to support them in thinking about three kind of key components, knowledge, communication, and support, right? So certainly if we're going into pregnancy for a second time after a traumatic birth um, and even our first birth, right, it's natural to have a lot of anxiety that comes up around that. And so we know, you know, that certainly having knowledge and having um, some kind of expectation, flexibly, about what might be kind of ahead of us in the journey can really help Mm -hmm. in terms of sort of grounding some of that anxiety. I
0: did not. I was like – the the, C, the C-section stuff in the birth class, I was like, nope, like, not interested in C-section. Like, I didn't – I avoided. Um, and so then when I found myself in that cold room with all the bright lights, I I didn't know what to expect there. And I was able to really reframe that for my second belly birth Um where I was like, okay, all of these elements are actually here for me. It's cold in here to keep me safe. The lights mm-hmm. are here for me and my baby. And like being able to reframe that was actually very quite reparative and healing for me. Um, but just I, I like don't don't skip the don't skip the parts of the birth that you're like, nope, I don't want those things. Like, like because there's there's so many ways in which it can go. And I think going into it with this sort of flexible framework and that awareness can be so protective so yeah totally totally in line with you there um, of just the knowledge I wish that I had had more going into that first birth I think it would have been really supportive for me and advocating um, not being confused and understanding what some of the options are and even with that though I would say that like you know I think the communication and the support piece is going to be super important that you're going to talk to us about in a moment here, because you can know all the things and still in the moment not really be in a space to advocate for yourself um, or, and or you need to feel like your provider and the people in the room or the support people there are, you know, have your best interests in mind and that you feel safe with. So please, please take us to the communication and support part of your three three-point plan
1: (laughs) (laughs) in that communication piece we're feeling you know safe with our um provider our team or the people that are going to be in the room with us um, where we can trust like you said they have our best interest or that we can be vulnerable with them so um thinking about if that like really resonates with the team that you either currently have or how you want to um think about trying to put those pieces in place. I would say my second birth, that it was really healing. And a big piece of that was um, finding an OB that I felt so safe Mm -hmm. with and that I could really communicate, you know, what was happening for me. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, you know, support. We want to think about emotional support and physical support and having people that we trust that can show up to care for us. Um, maybe that means that they're going to hear our stories or hear kind of the emotional experience, or maybe that means that, you know, we are kind of touching base and saying, I'm going to need you to support me, kind of cocoon me so that I have place for healing and processing myself. Yeah. Yeah, and so to kind
0: of bring all those points together, um, which I think are so key. I know that for me, going into the second birth, rather than having a rigid birth plan, um, Mm -hmm. I had more of a flexible, like a a flexible plan that really was looking at what are my what are my values, what are my guiding values for this birth, right? Because Mm -hmm. while I might, let's say, I, I value like safety. Or let's say I value um, connection. Mm-hmm. There are going to be different decision points where, rather than just turning to this like rigid birth plan that doesn't doesn't take into consideration the unique context of like what I'm actually going through in that moment, mm-hmm. if I turn to my value of safety, right, I can ask myself, okay, if safety is my priority right now, like what is with the options I have in front of me. What's going to be the decision that brings me in alignment with safety? Or if connection is the guiding value here, what's dis- at this decision point, how might I define connection and prioritize connection here with the options? Um, and so really going in with more of like my guiding values rather than like rigid idea around exactly what I wanted to happen first and the next and what I wanted to avoid Um, was really supportive for me in bringing that like flexibility and then activating support like you're talking about here and activating support can look like identifying what providers you if you want to switch providers so that you feel Mm -hmm. really safe and secure connected um, feeling like you are talking to your partner and other people involved Mm -hmm. Before birth, about what you might need and what's what you want to prioritize, where you're going to need help, um, and, you know, really putting those pieces in place ahead of time. So, you know, even just, like, knowing that, like, after birth, there's a plan for how you guys are going to be fed or mm-hmm. who's going to be watching your older children if you have an older child, just knowing that, like, there's plans in place and that support is activated maybe even asking someone, Hey, you're someone I really feel like I can be vulnerable with. Will you check in with me, Mm -hmm. you know, one week postpartum and ask me about the birth, right? Like just Mm -hmm. even prompting people, I would be so honored if somebody asked me to be that like point person Mm -hmm. for them to check in on them. And so I share that because I know that sometimes we can feel like, I don't want to burden anyone. Oh my gosh. Like I would be honored. And That person for you would be honored too, and you would you would do that for them. And so activating our support and communicating those things proactively can be so supportive.
1: Absolutely. You so deserve care during that well, all the time, but certainly during that stage of life. And I love what you said about values.
0: Well, Dr. Alex It has been so wonderful to connect with you, and I'm so glad that I get a chance to share you with the Holding Space community and the listeners, and so grateful to have you working in my practice now, not only because I get to connect with you on a day-to-day basis (laughs) and have you in my corner, but also because now I get to link folks with you, and so for the listener, Dr. Alex is an incredible clinician. I'm sure that you've gotten the sense from this conversation how warm and safe you would feel with her, and how she would. She really does take the time to get to know you and your story, and to give that like that supportive hand in your process of healing. And so, Dr. Alex. Um, I'm so grateful for you coming on. I'm going to share links in the show notes where folks can take a step to connect with you further. Um, You offer virtual therapy to folks who reside in the state of California. And I am just so grateful to be in connection with you and to have you as a part of my community. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really meaningful for me too to kind of go back and talk about that first birth and to just see how full circle this has been and how much meaning I've been able to make of my experience. So thank you also for giving me the chance to, to share that.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You have a way of like making me feel so safe that I can like go there. And I just can only imagine how that translates in, in session with your clients. And so Again, thank you so much, and if you are interested in connecting with Dr. Alex, go to the link in the show notes, and you can learn more about her work. All right, Alex, we're nice. going to go back to our, to our lives now. It was so wonderful <laughs> to chat with you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned in to this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me, for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.